Hey, nerds. Welcome back to another episode of What the History. Uh, Today, Sarah and I are going to begin the end of season two, which is crazy to say. Um, And we are going to bring it home with some really, really positive vibes, uh, which is pretty much just JFK's assassination. Um, Yeah, it's fine. (laughs) Just like huge conspiracy theory, American history event, casually. Yeah, like, you know, no biggie, just Mm -mm. keeping it real chill. Uh, We figured, why not go out with a bang? (laughs) Yeah. Oh, man. (laughs) I'm definitely putting that in a header somewhere, even though that will just flag me 100%. It's fine. Um, But yeah, when we talked about this last week, um, we decided that we wanted to kind of do something that was a little bit more spanning. So this week, we're just going to be talking about the day of the assassination, the assassination itself. The immediate investigation and like the aftermath of it. Yeah. And this is like the more boring background part. Yeah. And then next week, we're going to jump into some crazy fucking conspiracy theories. Yes. um, Which I haven't started totally researching yet, but we have them listed and I'm stoked for what we have. So it should be really good. So today's going to be a lot of me talking about timelines. Same. Um, Like a lot of like at 12.22 p.m. Like, Mm -hmm. Uh, which is always uncomfortable for me. I just feel like I never really have to talk about history in the classroom in like a linear way like this. Yeah. So, but with this, I feel like it so matters. many things happen at once. Exactly. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah, let's jump right in. Okay. So, first question, why the fuck was Kennedy in Texas in the first place? Um, I've never been to Texas. I've always wanted to go to Texas. And now I feel like I want to go a little less That's or super awesome. more. To go to I was, Dallas. I was literally <laughs> having this conversation yesterday where I was like, I think I've been to Texas because I think I've gone for work. <laughs> but when I go like places for work, I'm a really boring traveler. So I don't do anything but like go, go to, to where work. I'm going, go to the hotel. So I'm like, I was in Texas, but I didn't like <laughs> do anything. Right. Like, right. Right. I only know I was there because I'm like, I know that company is headquartered there. So I must have been to Texas. <laughs> Yeah, my husband has family there, so okay. we have always talked about, like, he's been, like, once or twice, mm-hmm. um, but also Texas is so fucking big. Right, it can mean so many different things. Yeah, like, like you could be like, I've been to Texas, but it's like, okay, well, what part of Texas? Because they're also vastly different, too. Yeah, but I do and think I, Dallas is where I was. <laughs> yeah, and I do feel like there are certain parts that I would enjoy more than others. Like, I probably would love Austin, because I've heard right. some weird shit about that. Yep. I mean, Dallas, because my morbid curiosity for all the shit we're going to talk about would probably yeah. lead me to visit some of these places. So I probably would actually like Texas, but yeah, we're not talking about me in Texas. We're talking about John Fitzgerald Kennedy in Texas. That's true. So at the time, there had been some friction in the Democratic Party, <laughs> specifically between Ralph and Don Yarborough and the conservative governor of Texas at the time named John Connolly. So Ralph Yarborough was actually riding in the motorcade and the convertible with the vice president, Lyndon B. Johnson, who I am here forth calling LBJ just because it's easier. Okay. Sorry. I have one more tangent about LBJ. Oh, my God. My friend and I one time were trying to have a conversation and she doesn't know like any history at all Mm -hmm. very well, Mm -hmm. like even compared to me. And I don't know sports. And we realized that she was talking about LeBron James because the Internet calls him LBJ. And Wait, I w- they do? Yes, apparently calling him LBJ is like a thing. Is and- LeBron James's nickname? 
Yes. And we were like, and I was like, no, that's a former president. Dude, you're right. And I was like, why the fuck would he be called LBJ? But because LeBron, LeBron James. James. Yeah. Other nicknames, in case anyone's wondering, includes the King, King James, the L Train, LBJ, the Chosen One, the Akron Hammer, Bron Bron, Magic, Buck, and EJ. <laughs> so. But And so we were realizing we were having like two very different conversations about LBJ. <laughs> what a very distinct thing to need to know the differences. Right? LBJ. So just if anyone listening hears LBJ, we don't mean LeBron James. Although I really don't know how many people who listen are also sports people. I don't know, but just if in you case, are, my question well, for you is why? No, right, same. Although basketball is not the worst sport you can watch. It could LeBron be James is in the new Space Jam, so respect for that. Is there respect for that though? Have yes. We okay, mm-hmm. okay. I just mm-hmm. I don't know because can you really beat? the original space no but i feel like it means he doesn't take himself too seriously that's fair i will allow that good point good point okay so well back back to you you. (laughs) (laughs) so like i was saying ralph yarborough was riding in the motorcade with lbj and (laughs) lady bird johnson and i did not take the time to look up if her name was lady or bird like you know how it's Uh, like yeah i don't know like, if her name was, like, Lady Johnson, whatever. I guess I just assumed... Well, I know they always called her Lady Bird Johnson, but I just assumed it was a nickname. Me too, but I I didn't f- do research any further because I just kind of liked thinking that her name yeah. was Lady Bird. That That's someone fair. had her, looked at her, and was like, Lady Bird, this is yeah. the name I give to you, my child. So Yarborough, Johnson, and Johnson were in the same convertible, and there was also a Secret Service agent and a member of the Texas Highway State Patrol, and they were all together in the motorcade. So ironically enough, Yarborough had been really displeased with the presidential visit to Texas at that point, and he felt like he'd been slighted and totally ignored by some of the arrangements. And originally, he'd refused to ride in the car with Johnson, who was an old friend of the governor that Yarborough was like in conflict with because the governor of Texas was Republican, shocker, um, and, and Yarborough was, was not. Ralph Yarborough? Um, so he was just like a... When I looked him up, let me like go back. Oh, into... says he's a senator. He was a senator. Yeah, he was just a senator from okay. Texas, I think. I just didn't um, know his role. Yeah, so he was a demo. He was a Democratic politician in Texas, so automatically he's going to have some issues with the right. state. Um, and he's obviously more aligned with JFK because he was a Democrat stuff. Like yeah. That. So ironically, like I said, he didn't want to be involved in the motorcade, and they were like, "No, like you're, we're here because." There's issues in these like smaller democratic cities of, or yeah, I'm going to say democratic yeah. cities of Texas. So that's why Kennedy was there. Um, and after the assassination, he's actually going to go on record as calling the event, quote, the most tragic event of my life. Yeah. Um, and just yeah, fucking sounds like an understatement. But right. Um, despite their previous conflict, Yarborough later calls LBJ, offers his condolences, condolences and support for obviously becoming the president in such really shitty circumstances. Um, and ultimately, Kennedy had three goals in visiting texas for an extended period of time which realistically it was only a few days but for a president that's that's pretty yeah. long so the first goal that he had was to help make political amends between several members of the texas democratic party as there had been some recent infighting and it was weakening the texas like democrats at the time okay uh the second reason he was there was to help raise more presidential campaign funds 
because his third reason was to basically help him prepare for running for re-election in 1964. Um, so he was there to kind of just smooth shit over, get everybody on the same page, you know, work kind of with Connolly in this sort of bipartisan approach um, and kind of make everybody love him enough to re-elect him in 64. Right. So the route is kind of the other part where I go before you delve into the assassination itself. So Mm -hmm. on November 22nd, 1963, Kennedy's itinerary included his arrival at Dallas Love Field after a short flight from Carswell Air Force Base in Fort Worth and short being like 15 minutes. Um, I didn't realize how short it was until I was looking at the timeline. I was like, that is a very, very quick flight. The motorcade included President Kennedy and his wife, Jackie uh, or Jacqueline Kennedy, as well as Governor Connolly and his wife, and all four of them were in one car. LBJ and his wife were two cars behind, and it was designed this way to give Kennedy as much exposure to the locals as possible before they arrived for lunch at the trademark, where he was expected to meet with different local leaders, give like a quick speech, etc. So the motorcade was given about 45 minutes to reach the trademark for a planned arrival time at about 12.15. And the itinerary was designed to be a slow 10-mile weaving route, again, to give Kennedy as much exposure as possible, which is going to obviously be the fucking problem. It's so weird to look at now because, like, obviously, if you've ever seen an image from it, it, they're in a convertible. It's like almost a parade, right? He's like stopping Mm -hmm. and waving and talking to people. Mm -hmm. And it's so weird now because like if the president's there, they're driving by like out of sight as fast as possible. And he's just like Santa Claus at the fucking candy cane parade. Like, hello, everybody. (laughs) Yes, that's exactly it. And it's actually super interesting because I I didn't read. I listened to Michelle Obama's uh, Becoming Mm -hmm. and I actually listened to like her audiobook. So it was like she was like talking in my ear holes and it was like such a beautiful experience. And I love her so much. And she talks about how when she first got kind of introduced to this whole like being a president's wife she learned about all of the specific things that they do for presidents Mm -hmm. in the event of like a a fucking emergency so they have like a vial of their blood yeah i've heard that they have all of these like different like procedures and then it's like the security is so different and i couldn't help but think like is that really i mean it's got to be because of what fucking happened to jfk yeah i feel like some of it probably started with jfk right like that's obviously when they were like we should get a roof on this car and then there's there's been other assassination attempts like reagan got shot that one time and unfortunately Uh lived but um (laughs) (laughs) but like they probably learn things when that happens, right? Like, oh, now yeah. we can do this. But I feel like definitely there's things that had to have come from the JFK. Yeah. And as technology to- gets better, right? Like you would assume that their protocols for safety would get better too. Yeah. Um, but I was actually, so I, I took a lot of my research from, I'm pretty sure the website is literally called, hold on, let me check my notes, jfklibrary.org. And mm-hmm, I saw that. The jfk.org assassination timeline which is so in-depth and it's got some really yes. cool sound bites that i was thinking about like trying to play but i don't know if i can legally do that so i don't feel like getting sued over something yeah um <laughs> which is kind of a bummer but i'll i'll post the information in the show notes because honestly it's really really cool to just mm-hmm. sort of see the different like like it's like an oral history basically yeah i watched said, some old clips and stuff yeah and they said that he was supposed to have like a bubble over his car but he was like no it's going to be too hot i want to be able to see the people that's why i'm here yeah so obviously yeah poor choice but again you don't necessarily wake up (laughs) right 
well, it's and like, assume you're going to get assassinated. And like you and so. I can't imagine living in a world where a president has not been shot to death in his car. Right. right? Exactly. Like that's always been a thing that we've like known for mm-hmm. him. That didn't happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. And the only president that ever was killed was Lincoln. Yeah. You and know, he was and in that a theater. was. Yeah. Which also seems like a little risky, but I, the role yeah. of the president seems a lot more casual yes. back then. But it was, what, 1865? Yeah, that was like so. the 1860s. Yeah. So the two people that were in charge for the active planning of the motorcade route was Special Agent Winston G. Lawson, who acted as the advanced Secret Service agent who basically, like, tracked the route, made sure that it, like, made sense, that you'd see a lot of people, but it was, like, secure. And then Secret Service Agent Forrest V. Sorrells, who was an agent in charge of the Dallas office of, uh, like, the Secret Service and Special Agents. So just under a week before Kennedy's trip, on November 14th, Lawson and Sorrells had met, collaborated, and Sorrells actually drove through the route that he thought was best suited for the motorcade. So the route left from Love Field and passed through a suburban section of Dallas, then through downtown along Main Street before it took a right turn on North Houston Street for about a block. Then the motorcade would make a left turn on Elm Street, pass through Dealey Plaza, then go down a short segment of the Stemmons Freeway before it arrived at the trademark. Part of the route included passing through downtown Dallas along Main Street rather than Elm, because this was actually, ironically, when you brought this up, like a parade route, this was the traditional parade route for any type of major Dallas event. Okay. So, like, 4th of July, I don't know, the Alamo, I don't know if that would be a fucking parade event. Santa, you know, so, like, this was, like, (laughs) commonly used, and so that's why Sorrels was, like, this would be the best bet for us to use this. And it provided the most views for people in the crowds and buildings like pretty much anywhere that you were within that area you would be able to see the motorcade so that's kind of what this next chunk is going to be so it's actually a quote from um i forget which one of my resources but quote the main street section of the route prevented a direct turn onto the fort worth turnpike exit which served also as the stemmons freeway exit which was the route to the trademark, as this exit was only accessible from Elm Street. Therefore, the planned motorcade route included a short one-block turn at the end of the downtown segment of Main Street onto Houston Street for one block northward before turning again west onto Elm. That way, they could proceed through Dealey Plaza before exiting Elm onto the Stemmons Freeway. The Texas School Book Depository was, and still is, situated at the northwest corner of the Houston and Elm Street intersection. And that depository is going to be a huge, huge part of this whole story. Also, fun note, I kept writing suppository instead of depository. So just, I might accidentally say, I I might say suppository at some point, and and Uh that I mean depository. Good. Um, It's also important to note that the motorcade route was highly publicized in the press before Kennedy's arrival, a fact that will eventually come back to be a problem, I think... Who the fuck knows? I'm I got a lot of Archduke Franz Ferdinand vibes actually yeah. with that. And like, like probably also one of those things where later they were like, maybe we should not do this anymore. Right. Like maybe we shouldn't let everybody know where the president of the United States is going to be at any given fucking second of the day. Yeah. Um, and like the itinerary had been published, and so it was like not not good news. So the plan was originally for Kennedy to return to Love Field to then leave for a fundraising event. Uh, like dinner in Austin later that evening. So the return trip would be more direct. So that's why they really wanted to maximize 
you know, how many people saw him while he was there. Mm -hmm. And this direct route is actually going to be used after his assassination, trying to like get him to the hospital, stuff like that. So on November 22nd, after giving a breakfast speech in Fort Worth, Kennedy and company boarded Air Force One, which departed at 1110 and arrived at Love Field literally, like I said, 15 minutes later. The motorcade left around 1140 to make its way through Dallas, and they were running on a schedule that was about 10 minutes longer than what their original 45-minute plan entailed because there were so many people. There was an estimated 150 to 200,000 people just in attendance, like in that general area, as well as two unplanned stops that Kennedy directed them to make. And that is where I'm going to leave it over to you for the assassination. Okay, so... Let's see. So like you said, the motorcade, it begins its route kind of as expected. They're running a little behind, but begins with no problem. Those two stops he directs them to make, one is to meet with some school children and Aww. one is to shake hands with some nuns that he sees. Aww. So the, yeah, so those are his two little stops. What a little, what a little Catholic president. I was just saying, remember, <laughs> he was like the first Catholic president. I which think he's is the only. Well, Biden is, isn't Biden Catholic. Oh, Biden, Biden. That's right. I forgot he is. Like we have one now, but yes, right, right, right. he was the first and the only for a long time. At that point, which yeah. is so like I'm not. I don't understand things. I'm like I don't understand how that's different or a big deal. But I oh, it is. I can actually explain it. It's because technically in Catholicism, the Pope is the highest authority. And so there was always this, like, huge fucking scary concern that if a Catholic president came into power, they would have to answer to the Pope. Fascinating. Mm -hmm. Well, he meets some nuns. (laughs) So. uh, (laughs) Who do answer to the Pope. Exactly. (laughs) So at 1229 p.m. Central Standard Time, the limo that the president and Jackie O and a couple others are riding in enters Dealey Plaza on Houston Street, mm-hmm. approaching approaching the book depository. And it's actually right as they make that turn, Nellie Connolly, who's the governor's wife, turns to JFK and says, Mr. President, you can't say Dallas doesn't love you. Oh, and so, fuck. Right. Oh, my God. Yeah. That sounds and, like some movie shit. I, exactly. Mm. And so the car starts to make its left turn onto Elm Street. And at 12.30 Central Standard Time, uh, the first shot is fired right as JFK raises his hand to wave to the crowd. Mm -hmm. So in terms of kind of witness testimony, most people heard this one shot and then about like a five to ten second break and then two shots that were basically right on top of each other. Mm. So those three shots are confirmed. um, Different reports have up to eight shots happening Mm -hmm. um somewhere around five kind of comes down what's probably ultimately the truth Mm -hmm. but it's one shot a pause and then two shots back to back and those are kind of the the important ones um and the main footage which i'll talk about where that footage comes from actually has a second where there's a second of what the first shot is and then the motorcade or like their limo gets hidden behind a street sign because of the angle Mm -hmm. and so he's just like normal waving he goes behind this sign and comes out the other side clearly having been shot for the first time oh shit um and so his mouth is kind of open his fists are kind of clenched and it actually appears that he's in something known as thornburn's position which is a a common like neurological reaction to spinal damage and so the first shot goes into his upper back. Um, ultimately, they determine around like the third vertebrae. So kind of. The, so he gets shot in the back before yes, the head. Correct. Oh. So the first shot enters his back. It actually enters his back and exits his neck. 
like the front of his neck his throat um yeah and so you can kind of see that something has happened but he's still conscious and not like grotesque dead (laughs) right um so as soon as that shot happens secret service runs towards the vehicle um but hill who's the main secret service agent um he kind he gets there like a millisecond after the second shot is fired Mm -hmm. that second shot hits jfk in the back of the head and cracks open the right side of his skull Mm. And you can hear on some of the recordings, you can hear Jackie. Jackie O is like not right because that's her later name, but she's also like not like my BFF Jackie, but Jackie Kennedy. You can. But hear then her- I wrote Mrs. Kennedy, and I was like, I don't like those either. I just yeah. kept calling her Jackie O in my head. But exactly. It's fine. But so, so you can hear her scream, and she actually tries to climb out of the car, kind of like away from the bullet. At the same time, so she climbs onto the trunk almost. I have seen this. Yes. And I distinctly remember watching something that was like, they thought she was trying to like grab the part of his head that like blew off. Yeah, no one quite knows. Like it looks on first watch like she's trying to escape. But that's also possible because she is heard to, like, multiple people heard her shouting, I have his brain in my hands. Over oh over. my God. Are you serious? Mm-hmm. Oh my god, that's fucked up. I don't know why yeah. that that just oh yeah, sorry. It's not, yeah, but so as she tries to Ugh. like climb off the back, the secret service agent makes it to the car, pulls her back into the seat and shields her, right? There's wow. not another shot that comes at them, but he like gets her back in the car. She ends up cradling JFK in the car. Holy um shit. immediately, you know, the limo kind of veers off, police turn on their sirens and they all start speeding towards the hospital. Mm-hmm. And they arrive there at about 1238. Mm-hmm. So it's about, you know, a nine minute time period where you have from them turning onto the street to him getting to the hospital. Wow. Um, There are a couple of other people injured in the shots. Mm-hmm. What's interesting is that for the most part, they're all injured by the same bullets. Right. Later, forensics don't find that there's like a bunch of bullets. So when I said the bullet like exited his neck. Mm. That bullet went on to hit Governor Connolly. So, okay, so it hit Kennedy through the neck and then that went to Connolly. Yes, and they think the head bullet also did. Like, it's all the same shots. It's not additional shots meant for other people. Dude, I gotta say, you have to be really fucking skilled at using a weapon like that. Or like, like, I don't know if lucky is the word, right? But just that that it out. I imagine it's gotta be a, a combination of both skill and luck for something yeah. like that oh and so governor Connolly suffered like a few really severe wounds mm-hmm. so he had a bullet entry in his upper back right behind his armpit four inches of one of his ribs was completely pulverized holy shit there's a chest exit wound his right bone or his right wrist bone is fractured into seven separate pieces and there's a bullet entry wound in his inner thigh and so this is from the same bullet Yes, maybe both bullets from okay. what I could see. Um, there's mm-hmm. some like conflicting opinions about when he got these. Right. Right. But that's why most people say it was basically simultaneous with the same bullets, right? Wow. They, at least like at least one of them left Kennedy and got into him. There might mm-hmm. have been another one. Okay. But some of them were the same. There's also a witness named James Tag Tog who was injured. He had just um a superficial face wound. He was standing on a curb nearby, and a bullet fragment um, struck him in the right cheek. Wow. So he's the only, like, onlooker 
who's injured at all. Um, there is also an officer who later is shot by Oswald, I think. Yeah. Yeah, um, he comes up in mine, too. Yeah. So those are the only additional shootings. So it isn't like what we think of as a mass shooting, right? They're clearly targeting Kennedy. It doesn't even really seem like Connolly was targeted. He was just kind of in a bad seat. Yeah. Right. But so anyway, so other people are injured. But in terms of Kennedy, you know, they immediately drive off and start going towards the hospital. Um, I'm going to briefly talk about the recordings. So kind of how we know this. Yeah. Because it's interesting, again, like now everyone in the world would have recorded the whole thing. Oh, right? yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and we have recording of it. I've seen recording of it. But there was actually no live broadcast of the assassination which is what I had always kind of assumed. Yeah, that, I thought that they were, like, it yeah, was like a newsreel that right. caught Right, it. it's not. So the media wasn't really riding with the motorcade. They, like, didn't really care about showing him waving at people. They were all at the trademark waiting for him. Oh, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, there was a few press people, but they were almost all driving in the rear of the motorcade behind mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. Not kind of the front side angle that we know from the footage. Yeah. Um, there was actually only one professional photographer that was there and not like in one of those press cars. Right. So there are some audio recordings they were doing from the Dallas police. Right. So they had two different channels going. They had one channel that was kind of general police activity, including the police who were at the motorcade. Mm-hmm. And then they had one that was dedicated to the motorcade. So they had um, like a police channel just to say, you know, they're turning onto this street. This is happening, whatever. And then obviously that channel got taken over as being about the shooting and tracking down the shooter. Right, right. Um, But there's a man who's nearby. His name is Abraham Zapruder. He's a garment manufacturer and an amateur photographer. And he has an eight millimeter film camera. And he's filming because it's cool, right? He's like out by his store. The president's there. He's filming. And he takes a 26.6 second film that is the footage we know. So when I say like he disappears behind a sign for a minute and all that, that is this what they call the Zapruder film. Dude, are you fucking kidding me? No. So like this guy just randomly filmed 26 seconds and he must have like started filming right as he heard the first shot. And so that's where you see like Jackie O climbing out of the car. All that comes from him. Wow. I had no idea. Me either. They kept saying the Zapruder film at first before I got to this section of my research. And I was like, what's the Zapruder film? And it's literally just this dude who was like, well, the president's here. I should film that. Like, that's pretty cool. Yeah. Like this, he's like an (laughs) amateur. So he's like, I don't fucking know. I think you press this for on like, and yeah, holy shit. Yeah, he was, he just like... Did he, I mean, did he sell that footage? I mean, I will, he probably could, okay, I'm, I'm gonna I will get to in. that. Yeah, I kind of feel like I can answer that question, but I'm gonna shut up. Yes and no. So, that footage is what they use for investigations, right? He, like, mm-hmm. he mm-hmm. doesn't sell it to the press or anything like that, like right. we would think of now. Yeah. Um, Because my first thought was like, I hope this jabroni made some money from this, but like... right. Um, I'm in a dark but place, so. <laughs> he, like, he must turn it in or something. Um, and they use this, you know, to do frame enlargements. Like, a lot of what I was reading, um, when it's describing it, was, like, at frame 215, you see this. And at frame 221, you see this. Like, they break this 26 seconds down. Yeah. Um. Oh, that's horrifying. Yeah. And he does get interviewed quite a bit. So there's quotes from him of saying, you know, 
He says the he saw the president's head, quote, explode like a firecracker. Oh, Jesus. Christ. And so he gets a little like 15 minutes of fame, but mostly they care about his footage. Mm-hmm. Um, and he is not, from what I could find, ever paid for this footage. Mm-hmm. Um, or he is, he is, but it's not a ton comparatively. Right. I mean, he's paid $150,000 um, for the film rights. And he also separately sells the print rights. Mm. So, like, he does make a pretty penny on it. He could probably have retired, right? Right. Um, He did end up donating some of it to the widow of that police officer I mentioned. Oh, Tippett? Yes. Okay. Um, so, when we talk, he donates a chunk to the the widow and a couple other things. And in 1975, Time, who ends up owning the footage, he had originally sold it to Life magazine and they ended up being bought by Time. Okay. So Time sells it back to the family for a dollar. Um, and his family ends up allowing it to be stored in the National Archives okay. and ultimately donates the copyright. But Because I feel like you can Google it right now, couldn't you? Yeah, I, I did. Yeah. <laughs> um... But in 1999, as part of some of the the various proceedings happening, there's actually a decision the U.S. government makes that orders his heirs. So he's no longer alive in 1999. He dies in 1970. Mm. And his heirs are deemed to have be like owed $615,384 per second of film in order to put it in the National Film Archives. Did they ever pay that? I think so. I mean, I didn't see that it wasn't yeah, paid if out. if it's in the archives, then... So yeah. Wait, okay, I'm a math for a hot second, because that makes me... Oh, worry. it's um $16 million. Okay, okay. Good. good. Yep. I about 26 seconds, so about $16 million. I don't know where they wow. got that, like, very specific number. Yeah, um, that's a weird number. And they did subsequently... Maybe, like, inflation. Yeah. They mm-hmm. did end up donating the copyright, so they kind of, like, relinquished their rights to it. Mm-hmm. But the government was like, well, we owe you this amount of money for it. It's so um, interesting what the government does want to pay for. <laughs> exactly. Like, I don't really... Sure. Sure. We don't really care if our citizens, you know, by the millions are dying from healthcare needs, but yeah. we do really want to make sure that we can that we own this, this. Yeah. <laughs> and they were not, like, money hungry, right? Like, they donated the copyright, ultimately. It had been sold to private corporations early on, so I think the government was trying to get it back out of that. Yeah. But either way. um, And... You know, there are a number of other photos and videos that exist, but most of them are at a greater distance or farther back. So Mm -hmm. you can't see everything as well. Um, So, like, there's 32 other photographers who are known to have taken photos, but none of them are as useful for future investigations or as clear as this guy's film. I mean, I guess... I feel like it would be some really bad vibes that you're putting out into the universe if you just, like, profited so much off of this, like, really gruesome footage. Right. Like, it does make a lot of sense. So. Yeah. And he does, like, they ask him questions about, like, did you form an opinion about, like, where the shots came from? Right. What, like, as a witness as well. Mm -hmm. Um, Like, he tries to help, but. Yeah. Also, you know, he can only do so much. Um. They did later, during an investigation, discover that the Dallas police had an audio recording of the assassination. Really? And so there was a microphone mounted on one of the motorcycle escorts. Mm. And it picked up sounds at the time of the shots. So acoustic experts were able to later analyze that and distinguish four 
distinct rifle shots. So there's always some question about like how many gunshots there were and how close together they were. So that becomes a recording they use. And actually in 2007, previously unseen footage was found that showed a new angle of the first bullet wound and kind of gave a clearer picture of where in his back it hit and how. So there's Mm. still other footage out there, but this Zapruder film is like what they used to show it and like what people have seen. Yeah. That's Um, some dark shit. Right? And it was just like this dude. Like. Yeah. He was just, um, he was like an immigrant to America. I think, I think it said the Ukraine is where he was from. And he liked President Kennedy and he was like. I'm going to film it, right? Like, he was an amateur photographer for fun. I'm going to film it. unbelievable. And ended up capturing, like, the most iconic image of it. Wow. Yeah, I've seen it. I've I've seen it because I remember when we talked about this a little bit in my U.S. history class in high school. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. We had to get, like, a permission slip to watch it. And I was so scared because I thought it was going to be, like, super gory and, like... yeah. And then I realized it was 1960, what, two, 1963, and, like, the quality yeah, of film not is not at all. Quality. But, yeah, it's eerie watching it. Yeah, it's weird to watch. But I always thought it was just, like, live on the news and, oh, shit, like, we're Me seeing too. him get shot. But it Me too. was not live. Like, they were just waiting for him. Although, you know what's so stupid uh, that I'm just thinking of now that I don't know how I didn't, like, put two and two together is... Mm-hmm. Um, in my own research, like literally what I'm about to talk about is like when the country found out. And of course, if there was like a live news coverage, there would have been way faster responses than there actually were. So like I should have fucking put that together. That's a good point. That's my bad. (laughs) Like I'm literally about to go into the aftermath and how people reacted. (laughs) Yeah. It's like not even close to when he was shot. It's fine. Oh my God. I'm trash. It's fine. What am I even doing here? I'm so unprofessional. <laughs> um, wow. Okay. So the aftermath, I kind of took this. This is kind of where my stuff gets timeliney. Okay. Um, which isn't it's not obviously bad, but it's it's very like a lot of shit's happening all at once. Um Yeah. And I think when we talk about these conspiracy theories next week, they will This stuff matters, yeah. Yeah, this will matter. So I'll probably have to go back and like reference some of this shit, but so the news broke around 1.33 that afternoon, mm-hmm. um, and people were completely devastated. So they gathered together in department stores to watch the TV coverage. They were weeping. They were praying. Um, in some areas, traffic came to a standstill, and the news spread between the cars. Schools dismissed kids early, and it was one of those moments in history where you remember exactly where you were when you found out that he had died. But prior to that, like – people didn't actually know what was going on. So like mm-hmm. at 1240, so I have to kind of go forward to go back. So at 1240, the CBS network had stopped playing the soap opera as the world turns and Walter Cron- Cronkite announced that the president had been shot. And so the first hour after the shooting was like complete fucking chaos, confusion. People were like, holy shit, what happened? People were praying. People were like, is he actually dead? Is he alive? They had no clue what was going on. The people in person, the people throughout the country. And there was just this like mass hysteria about whether or not he'd been hit fully, if he died from his injuries, what was happening to him after the hospital, etc. So after his death was announced, people immediately began to believe that the shooting 
could somehow be a part of like a larger attack on the U.S. because of the Cold War that was right. taking place. And people were also concerned about the safety of LBJ, who was riding just two cars behind Kennedy and now literally had to be the fucking president. Or yeah. would he have to be the president because was JFK dead? Nobody knew. And I'll talk about it, but Homeboy refused to leave the scene. They were like, LBJ, we got to get you out of here. He was like, no. Yeah, well, that's fucking crazy. I, I mean, I don't blame him, but also, like, I can't actually imagine. Ugh, that's... Ugh. Right, I would be like, y'all have a bunker? like. Right. I don't know if I would... I don't even know. I feel like the the shock of just what happened, and then, like, all of a sudden, this other fucking shock where it's like, yeah, I'm the president now. <laughs> you know right. I mean? Like, you're double whammied. Yeah. Um, a lot of schools dismiss their kids early. Um, actually, I, I texted my grandma when I was doing research and I was like, hey, where were you when JFK died? She's like, oh, I was riding the bus home from school. I was like, oh, seriously? She's like, yeah, a news announcement came on and everybody was so silent and people were crying and it was so upsetting. And I was like, that's so interesting. That kind of I said, I was like, I feel like that's our 9-11, right? Yeah. Like, I don't know how many people like how many kids today people who are maybe not millennials can really recall a significant historical event like i don't know if gen zers have something comparable to this yeah i don't know which is good because i mean it's fucking traumatizing but when i said that to her i was like so it was kind of like 9-11 like i remember exactly where i was and you know living in new jersey i actually all of our schools were still in session because we had so many people who lived in our town that worked in the world trade center so like yeah kids were getting pulled left and right from school and we thought there was like we had this like game going on in fifth grade like who's going to be pulled next and like it was we were so unaware of it we weren't allowed to leave because bush was in miami which was really close to where i went to school oh and not long after they found out the flight school where the hijackers had trained was like across the street from my elementary school and so we went on lockdown and couldn't leave school wow because they weren't sure if like and miami was like an hour away but still Mm -hmm. like so we got put on full lockdown wow see and it's funny because when i mentioned it to my nanny i was like oh it's kind of like that she's like it is and it isn't she's like you have to kind of understand she's like we like pretty much everybody liked JFK in some capacity. Yeah. And like she's like because it was the president, it felt like someone that we knew, like a member of the family. She's like mm-hmm. so she's like there was this different level of devastation. She's like and she's like I'm not I'm not downplaying, you know, the people who clearly lost family in 9/11, but right. like there were so many like unknowns about 9-11 specifically with like did my family get out in time like I don't remember what floor they worked on like shit like that she's like but the whole country felt like they had lost somebody in their family right and that feeling she said was pretty immediate um yeah makes sense the next week I thought this was fucking crazy a lot of people started to get angry against like Texans specifically um and so some some like the Dallas Cowboys were playing the Cleveland Browns and some of the Browns fans arrived to the game carrying signs that claimed that the city of Dallas was responsible for killing the president. Okay. That's Um, very, very dramatic as I would imagine most football fans are. And also everybody fucking hates the Cowboys. Apparently, What's happening. Um, And then there was this instance in some cases, like there was a reporter, a journalist in Amarillo who reported that people were like, rejoicing in the streets Mm -hmm. and that there were some of kennedy's opponents that were like 
happy about the assassination, which is just like fucking mind boggling. But it like it is. But then in my head, I'm like, had Trump gotten shot, I probably would have been really. I just fine. I know I was thinking the same thing. And I was like, what I but rejoice also, like, at the death of somebody. And I feel but, like that's putting some bad vibes out. But right. But then I'm like, but that's just not a fair comparison. Like disliking JFK is not the same as Trump. Yeah. Also, FBI, please don't come for me. I'm not going to. I know. Right. Right. Like, <laughs> I'm not going to do anything. I just wouldn't be sad. No, that's all I'm saying. <laughs> Right. I totally, I totally understand. I think I would hear the news and be like, huh. Like, <laughs> yeah. Just like okay. one single, huh. Yeah. Reaction. Um, so the plaza, this is kind of where I didn't realize what I was getting into when I was like, oh, I'll research the aftermath in the plaza. I thought it was yeah. going to be like, people screamed. Um, <laughs> I'm sure people did scream, but actually, what I ended up, <laughs> what I ended up getting into was the, um, like, the beginning of the investigation and how quick this all was. So there was this, (laughs) let me start by saying there is something called a grassy knoll. Oh yes. (laughs) That was just to the North of Elm street and Kennedy. Yes. And Kennedy was struck just as the limo was passing this grassy knoll. And, um, as the motorcade left Dealey Plaza, spectators and police officers ran up that hill and from the triple underpass to an area behind a five foot high stockade fence that was just at the top of the hill, which is what separated it from the parking lot. Uh, so S.M. Holland, a spectator who'd been watching the motorcade on the underpass, testified that, quote, immediately after the shots were fired, he witnessed a puff of smoke rising up from the trees near that stockade fence, but didn't actually see anyone run away from that area. Another witness, Lee Bowers, was standing in a two-story railroad switch tower and had an unobstructed view of the rear of that fence. When he was interviewed, he said that he saw four men standing around in the area between his tower and Elm Street. Two of the men appeared to not know each other and who were standing like 10 to 15 apart, and then the other two men were two parking attendants for that location. He said at the time of the shooting, he saw, quote, something out of the ordinary, a sort of milling around, quote, which he couldn't fully identify. He also testified that both of the men, the non-parking attendant men, were still present when Officer Clyde Haygood ran up to the fence, later clarifying that the two men he saw were standing in the opening between the pergola and the fence, claiming that no one was behind the fence at the time that the shots were fired. So the, the fence supposedly couldn't have been where the shots had come from right also keep in mind i doubt all of this and i don't yeah i haven't even looked like touched the conspiracy theories but i just feel like this was too neat i don't know yeah so i'll kind of get into that so how I mean, there's Brennan, so much like witness testimony and it's hard to know like you want to have seen something you know right yeah you want to be like i'm the one that saw so and so running from this location and right he had a gun you know what i mean so um, so Howard Brennan, he was a steam fitter that had been sitting across the street from the Texas School Book Depository, caught myself, uh, <laughs> and told police that he had heard the shot come from above him as the motorcade had passed. Brennan looked up. He saw a man with a rifle take another shot from a corner window on the sixth story. According to Brennan, he'd seen this same man looking out of the window just minutes earlier. He later recalled that after his second shot, quote, this man was aiming for his last shot and maybe paused for another second as though to assure himself that he had hit his mark. Quote, as he spoke to police in front of the building, two book depository employees joined them who had also been watching from windows at the southeast corner. And one of them reported ha- having heard three different shots fired, 
coming from directly above their heads, as well as the sounds of a bolt action rifle and cartridges drop dropping on the floor above. So they basically like confirmed what Brennan said that he saw. They were like, yep, we were actually a floor below where we heard the shots come from pretty much like right underneath them. And that's, that's what we heard. So the belief pretty much quick, like pretty much immediately was that something had happened coming from the Texas book depository. So the exits were sealed to that location between 1233 and 1250 while they like searched the premises. After the assassination, there were at least 104 ear witnesses who went on record with their opinion about what direction the shots came from. So this is my one and only moment I think I will ever talk about any type of fucking percentage on a podcast. Okay, I'm excited. <laughs> so 51.9% of the 104 people claimed that all of the shots came from the depository building. 31.7% thought that they came from either the grassy knoll or the depository. 8.7% thought that each shot came from a location totally distinct from one another, like not even close to each other, that they had come from kind of all around. 4.8% believed that they heard shots from two different locations. And then 2.9% thought that the shots originated from a direction that was consistent with both the knoll and the depository. I don't know what that last part fucking no. means. No, I mean, none of that really means, like, I feel like that's all, like, sure, if you say yeah. so. But then again, right. in Texas, maybe they're better at knowing where a shot comes from than I would be. I mean, like, that's, I'm thinking of Miss Congeniality when she's, mm -hmm. like, talking about how her florist has a gun. So, like, sure. I feel like you should know more about this but yeah like maybe yeah. they'd be better than me i'd be like i don't know the yeah. side i mean eric and i play a game every summer called is it gunshots or fireworks oh because yeah we straight up just like don't know sometimes because yeah no clue we're close enough to some areas of trenton that we have had gang activity that we've like heard stuff and then other times it's just kids throwing a party and they're like fucking around with fireworks so yeah i know nothing and like so i live in georgia but i'm not from the south mm -hmm. and like i was watching a show with my friend and she shoots like a bunny it, i was watching jenny in georgia and she shoots like a bunny in her yard oh my god i loved that show yeah and i was like i don't understand how like the neighbors aren't like why was there a random shot and my friend's like the silencer is on and i'm like but it made a sound apparently it still makes a small sound when there's a silencer like i don't know anything so <laughs> i always think of like does a pillow make a good silencer not that i always think that let me clarify always. i don't sit Every around time. i don't like <laughs> Hmm, I can't fall asleep. I'm going to consider how yes. good of a silencer a pillow is as Eric sleeps soundly next, next to, me, to me. Snoring. <laughs> he does snore. There you go. Um, <laughs> so taking all of this data into consideration, the Warren Commission, who's going to be more of what we talk about next episode, um, eventually concludes that three shots were fired and declares that, quote, a substantial majority of the witnesses stated that the shots were not evenly spaced. Most witnesses recalled that the second and third shots were bunched together. So, like, pretty much what you said earlier. Yeah. And overall, there was just, like, stunned reactions from pretty much everybody globally. People could not fucking believe what had happened. And sort of the next piece of this puzzle is going to be the rapid investigation and capture of the supposed shooter. Of the shooter. I put shooter in quotation marks because I'm not convinced. Yeah, we'll see next week. With yes. That. Yeah, exactly. Um, so for some brief period of that day, a depository employee named Buell Wesley Frazier. There's a lot of cool fucking names in this. Yeah. Um, he, he had driven Lee Harvey Oswald to work and he later testified that he had seen Oswald bring a long brown paper bag into the building 
which Oswald claimed contained curtain rods. Why are you bringing curtain rods to work, Lee? So that's like a great question. My second question is why the fuck did Frazier not ask him what was or I couldn't figure out. Did he like store them somewhere and then like get out of the car? Like, well, you it need to sounds tell me, like, like he brought these and Buell was like, what's in the bag? And Lee was like curtain rods. And he was like, so, cool. That's what I was. I wasn't <laughs> sure. But then like he said that like he didn't mention the day of like, hey, you know, this guy that I work with brought this long rifle shaped right. paper bag into my car. It sounded like like Lee Harvey Oswald got out of the car, found this like long brown paper bag and walked up to work uh, with it. And then Frazier was like, hey, man, what you got in the bag? Like, hey, I, I don't know. it is was a poor choice. Yes. Either way, everybody's wrong. So <laughs> at 1232 p.m., Lee Harvey Oswald is stopped in the second floor lunchroom of the Texas School Book Depository by police officer Miriam Baker and the building manager Rory Truly. But he was quickly released after Truly was like, oh, that's Lee Harvey Oswald. He works here. He is an employee. So they let him go. Um, And at this point, the shooting has already taken place. Right. Several minutes after Oswald leaves the building, his supervisor's like, yo, Oswald's missing. And everyone's like, oh, shit, he's probably the shooter. And the police begin to broadcast his description across all radio media, including their own, saying, hey, he's a suspect in the shooting. If you see him, you have permission to arrest him. Um, If you see him reach out to a police officer, like who was like patrolling all the different areas. And so... By 12.58, Oswald is reported to have returned to his rented room at 1026 North Beckley Ave in Oak Cliff, where he grabs a gun and he heads out. A About different fifth, gun. A different gun. He le- he left the rifle. Okay. Like, he didn't walk out of the depository with a gun. <laughs> right. So he goes home and gets a different gun. He goes home and gets, like, a pistol. Yeah. Sure. So about 15 minutes later, he's seen walking along a sidewalk in Oak Cliff by the police officer J.D. Tippett. And Tippett is like, mm, I think this is fucking Oswald. Like, this is the guy that yeah. they put the whatever that is. Was it APB or whatever? I don't know. Yeah. I just made that up. I didn't make that up. It's like, I've only seen Law and Order 6,000 times. So Right. But I know um, what you mean. That thing. Yeah. Yes. So Tippett calls Oswald over and he's like, hey, bud, come here. And he, like, goes towards the patrol car. And I think from what I understand, Oswald had, like, played it fairly cool. And mm-hmm. Tippett had kind of gotten the vibe like no i think that this is the guy so he gets out of his car and oswald shoots him i read four times you said three so we'll call it three and a half so i realized (laughs) i said three but it was um three times in the chest and once in the temple Mm. okay so yeah so he gets shot four times Yeah. so it's four it's just i split out where and it adds up to four yeah so he empties the bullet casings from the pistol and then he flees the scene Five minutes after that, at 1.22 p.m., the long brown bag that Frazier had described was found by six Dallas police officers near the sixth floor window that was believed to be the location from where the gunshots were fired. Um, the bag was revealed to be 38 inches long and inside was consistent with marks of a rifle. I don't know what the fuck that means. I literally wrote that because yeah, what does a mark like- of a rifle look like in a brown fucking bag? Yeah, I don't know. Like. Like it's crinkly? Maybe. Like if I put a sandwich in a brown paper bag, will people know there was a sandwich right, in like, there? Did it like take the shape of it or is there like right. powder? I don't know. And also that's like a long bag. Yeah. 38 inches is big. Like what do you, yeah. that's like a giant piece of 
Italian I mean, bread or something. It's bigger than that. It's yeah, a that's yard. what I mean. How <laughs> that's a yard. How how many inches is a loaf <laughs> of Italian bread? Italian bread. It is. No, I don't want recipes. Ah, you know what I'm talking about? Where it's like a big. I mean, yeah, <laughs> but I don't think I've ever seen it be three feet long. But that's what I'm saying. So it's it would be over three feet, right? Yeah. 36 inches. Yeah. So a three foot long piece of Italian bread, apparently. Yes. That's basically the type of bag. Or a three foot using. long anything. Or or a three <laughs> foot long rifle. I'm just yeah. really hungry. So we're going with Italian Fair. bread. <laughs> so later on, the gun is found. Now you get to listen to me talk about weapons, which I don't understand the need for. But here we go. Okay. I fucking hate guns, dude. Same. I don't understand hate guns. I do not understand anything about anything in terms of why the fuck people feel the need to have them like truly and i think people who hide behind the fucking amendment are a bunch of idiots who don't understand the reasoning why it was a big fucking deal that their guns were being taken away from them but i'm like a bad liberal to be on the internet because most people are like we don't want to take your guns blah 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 and i'm like i think giant magnet drones should fly over the world that suck up all the guns all the guns not just american guns not just republican guns every fucking gun and not just civilian guns all of them guns in general so i'm like bad at being on the internet because most people are like no we're not trying to take and i'm like no i i want to take all the guns there's literally no reason for anyone to ever have an assault weapon ever, no. ever, whatever. No. I digress. Whole other podcast. Yep, we're fine. So this stupid fucking gun was <laughs> an Italian Carcano M9138 bolt action rifle. Okay. Um, it was discovered on the sixth floor of the Texas School Book Depository by Deputy Constable Seymour Weitzman. Told you these names are Love bomb. Him. And Deputy Sheriff Eugene Boone. And the recovery itself was filmed by Tom Alia of WFAA-TV. So, like, they caught as much as they could. Pretty much once the media got hold of, like, where the investigation was going and shit. I mean, imagine this. You have fucking dozens of media people with, like, cameras and reporting and shit. Yeah. Um, f- like, f- following this live. Like, so. Yeah. A lot of this is caught on camera, which is kind of what I'll get into in a second. So the footage shows that the rifle is a Carcano and the photographic analysis commissioned by the investigations was the one that was officially identified as being the weapon of assassination. So the film was compared to photographs that Oswald had taken holding the rifle in his backyard and quote one notch in the stock at a point that appears very faintly in the photograph quote matched. So I guess there was like a little mark on the gun and they were like, oh, it's the same mark. Um, And the rifle's dimensions were also the same. Uh, The weapon had been purchased back in March of that year and was bought secondhand by Oswald under the alias A. Hiddell and was later delivered to a post office box that he'd rented out in Dallas. So this is my second time to get on my soapbox and say this just goes to fucking show that we have never had an ounce of gun control in this fucking country ever in any capacity. No. You mean to tell me that there was no fucking background check for this random dude Mm -hmm. who had some type of tie, I believe, to like Eastern Europe? You yeah. let him buy a fucking gun, and then you let him get it delivered to a fucking post office box? How like, big was this post office box? Thank you. That's my other fucking point. Like, <laughs> we just fucking, we just decided this was a three-foot piece of Italian bread. Like, yeah. that doesn't fucking fit in a P.O. box. No. Whatever. Like, whatever. I'm so irritated. Anyway, <sighs> the Warren report later came out as saying that a partial palm print belonging to Oswald had also been found on the barrel of the gun. 
and the fibers that were found in a crevice of the rifle were consistent with those from the shirt that Oswald had worn when he was arrested. Uh, the bullet found on Governor Connolly's hospital gurney and two fragments that were found in the limousine were also ballistically matched to the rifle. So anyway, back to the so killer. So basically, it was this dude's gun. Yeah, I'm done talking about the fucking gun. So anyway, back to the quote unquote killer. Because again, I'm still not fucking convinced. Right. Either way. Around 1.30-ish, Oswald is then spotted ducking into the entrance alcove of a store uh, by the store's manager, who's like, what the fuck's this guy doing? Um, and he watches as he continues up the street and sneaks into the Texas theater without paying. I'm assuming they mean movie theater. Um, yeah. So I'm just going to go with movie theater. Uh, the store manager alerts the theater manager, who then calls the police about 1.40 p.m., and officers quickly arrived and arrested him inside the theater about 1.50 p.m. So we're really only, like, two-ish hours out from Kennedy being yeah. even killed. Not, like, less than two hours. Yeah, like an hour um, and a half. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, Oz, like, the country had just found out 20 minutes ago that he was dead. So, like, right. it's pretty fucking fast. Um, Oswald resists arrest and he attempts to draw out his pistol before he was then struck and restrained. And that's a whole other fucking thing I could go off on too with how white men are arrested. But again, we have to keep moving. Otherwise I'll be here for seven hours. Um, Oswald was interrogated starting around 2.20 p.m. And his wife Marina is later questioned at 4 p.m. Before Oswald is taken into a police lineup around 4.10 p.m. Although it was not clear as to who the fuck they were like. Could you identify this man? Like, I I think it was just like, we're going to take your headshots now. It didn't really seem like yeah. anybody was like, that's the man who shot JFK. Like, I think people were just like, oh, yeah, that's the guy that works at the book suppository. Right. depository. Who, like, meets, <laughs> yeah. who, like, meets any description that existed. But, like, because exactly. I know someone was like, he was a white man. He was about 30. But, like, yeah, that, who isn't? Right. Especially in that area. So. Right. At 7.10 that evening, Lee Harvey Oswald is officially charged with the murders of Kennedy and Tippett, and he denies shooting anyone and claims that he was, quote, just a patsy because he'd lived in the Soviet Union. Also, where does the term patsy come from? Where? What is a patsy? Is it a patsy? Patsy. Is it, I hope that's not, like, offensive that I just said something really bad. I, no. It says fall guy, victim of a deception, unknown origin. Yo, you fucking see this dictionary.com bullshit of like example? No, I didn't. I didn't. The get blonde was drop dead gorgeous, but she was nobody's patsy. Okay. Fucking bullshit. I'm sick of this shit. Possibly an alteration of the Italian term pazzo meaning madman mm. or pacchio meaning fool. Okay. There's also a character named Patsy. Hmm. So it doesn't seem like it's super offensive, at least. Okay. Good. Because, like, that's all I need. Uh, yeah. <laughs> So, yeah, he's like, I don't know what you're talking about. I ain't never shot nobody. I'm a patsy. It's communists. Fair. Um, two days later, on Sunday, November 24th, at 11.21 a.m., CST. I realized I did not say CST for a single fucking time, but I meant it. Yeah, I mean, um, it doesn't matter, I guess, but. Yeah, it's fine. I honestly forgot that there are different time zones. Fair. So, Oswald. Oh. Oswald. <laughs> Sorry. Oswald. Oswald was being escorted to a car in the basement of the Dallas police headquarters for the transfer to the county jail. As he makes his way to the car, he was fatally shot by Jack Ruby, a Dallas nightclub owner. All of this was filmed and broadcast live on American television. That's so annoying. Dude, 
And like, it's not like I care that he's dead, but I just want answers and I can't have them because they just killed him. Yes. So, again, this is why I'm like, again, this is too fucking neat for me. Yeah. It just doesn't feel, it doesn't make any sense. Yeah. And, like, not that I'm, you know, in any type of way in some form of, like, criminal investigation law enforcement job. <laughs> but, like, I've listened to quite a few fucking murder podcasts Same. to know the shit doesn't happen that fucking easily. But Right. Um, so Oswald's taken, ironically, to the Parkland Memorial Hospital, which is where Kennedy is going to die or had died two days earlier. It's also where um, Abraham, what's his name, dies. Abraham Lincoln. <laughs> no, Abraham, um, who filmed it. What the fuck was his name? Zapner or Zapruder. Zap- oh, wow. He ultimately dies there, too. I mean, there's probably not a lot of hospitals. I know, area, but it right? feels fun. <laughs> okay. That makes me feel better. I'm like, oh, what are the fucking odds? It's like, well, a lot because there's. It's like the hospital. It's, it's yeah. The hospital. Um, and then his death. So he dies there at 107, and his death is announced on a TV news broadcast by Jesse Curry, the Dallas police chief. In the autopsy, it's revealed that Oswald had died from a gunshot wound to the chest. Ruby, because he was fucking surrounded by cops, was arrested immediately <laughs> after the shooting, <sighs> and later said that he'd been so distraught by Kennedy's death and he'd hoped to spare, quote, Mrs. Kennedy, the discomfiture of coming back to trial. How nice of him. What a fucking gentleman. Way to mansplain this woman's fucking husband's death. But whatever. Sorry. I don't know where all of this rage just came from. No, it's fine. It's fine. (laughs) It just happened. Okay. Okay. Tell me more about the autopsy. Yes. So I'm going to backtrack a bit to when Kennedy is declared dead and the autopsy. So he arrives at the hospital at 1238. Like I said, about five minutes after he arrives, his his personal doctor, George Berkeley, arrives at the hospital. Wait, his personal doctor was traveling with? Well, that makes sense. Yeah, the president. I can see like the president's doctor traveling with him. Yeah, they have vials of their fucking blood in the nuclear codes with them at all times. Right. So that makes sense. Yeah. So his doctor arrives. Secret Service reports to him that President Kennedy is breathing. But. Dr. Berkeley says later that as soon as he saw him, he knew there was no chance of survival. Mm-hmm. And other hospital staff has said the same, right? That, like, he arrived and it was very clear there was no saving him. Oh. He's pronounced dead officially at 1 p.m. when heart activity ceased. So even though they, like, knew that and weren't able to save him, there's a chunk of time in there. They also ensure that they don't pronounce him dead until he's able to have his um last rites read yes and so there's kind of a little bit of an off timing thing where he's basically dead when his last rites are read like Mm -hmm. father oscar huber is the the priest who comes in to do it yeah he puts a blanket over kennedy's face before doing it because he's dead but they haven't declared it because jackie kennedy was really worried about him having these rites read Right. That's like literally a piece of the timeline that I was reading. Like it was like last rites are read for Kennedy. So it was a huge part of it. And it's kind of like, I think they fudged the time of death a little bit to get this done. Right. They're like, he's basically dead, but Mm -hmm. read the last rites and then we'll declare it. So he's declared dead at exactly 1 p.m. The death certificate from the hospital cites both the shot in his back and the shot in his head. Two gunshot wounds. His official so both killed him. Yeah, they list both. Okay, but the official death certificate um, after his autopsy only lists the gunshot wound to the skull. And there's actually, I'll talk in a minute, kind of like a a local versus national scuffle there. 
Okay. Um, but at 1.33, like you said, they announce the death. The acting press secretary announces it. The actual press secretary was traveling to Japan at the time. So, like, way to miss the biggest day of your career. <laughs> I was just going to say, that fucking sucks, dude. Right? Like, you wait your whole life to be the fucking press secretary for the president of the United States, and then he fucking dies, and you're not even there? Yeah. What a bummer. I mean, that sounds terrible, but... But no, I, I mean, it's a big day. <laughs> it's a big day. Oh. <laughs> I wonder what his reaction was when he heard the news. Right? It could have been a combination of, like... Oh no, I'm devastated. And like, you gotta right. be fucking kidding yeah. me. Yeah. 35 years down the goddamn drain. Like, that's what I'm imagining. <laughs> Basically. They also announced at the time that Governor Connolly is in surgery. Um, so he survives, but he's in surgery for some of his wounds. So they announce all of that at once, and I'm sure no one cares about fucking Governor Connolly at the moment. I actually forgot about him and I fucking exactly. researched him. So <laughs> Exactly. So, members of the president's security team begin trying to remove the body from the hospital. So, basically what happens in terms of their plan is I mentioned LBJ is, like, refusing to go anywhere. Mm -hmm. So, as soon as the shots happen, they, like, get him to safety. And they say, we want to get you on Air Force One and fly you back right now. Because they don't know that someone's not coming to try and shoot. LBJ or other members of like the party that are there, etc. Right. Um, he first refused until he had proof that Kennedy was dead. So he like didn't believe it wouldn't leave. Mm. Once he's declared dead and LBJ is like, yeah, okay, he's dead. I'm obviously the acting president. I guess I'll be the president yeah. now. <laughs> he said he refused to leave without Jackie Kennedy. He wasn't going to fly back and leave her alone there. Um, which oh. sounds really nice, but his quote about it was that he didn't want to be known as, quote, an abandoner of beautiful widows. Gross. I so, hated everything yeah, that you just Not said. as nice as it sounds. My heart, like, broke when you said the first thing. And then yeah. It, it was like, oh, like... that's so nice. Never mind. And she was refusing to leave without the body. So kind of oh. by, like, a chain reaction, they had to get the body on a plane to get LBJ on a plane to get him sworn in. Right. So his security team starts trying to remove the body from the hospital mm -hmm. and they end up in a physical, like a small physical fight with the Dallas County coroner. Um, so the what? county coroner comes in and says, like, I'm legally obligated to perform an autopsy before this body is removed from the hospital. Which is technically true, but they're like, we don't really care. He's the president. Like, our protocol overtakes your protocol. Mm, that so, sounds fucking fishy right but. but so there's literally like a small physical like pushing fight <laughs> a kerfuffle a kerfuffle <laughs> a kennedy kerfuffle yeah like no one's hurt but they're like they have like members of the police they're like pushing him out of the way to get this body out right and they ultimately say that he was like i think restrained and like held back while they removed the body he ultimately says, the coroner is like, I just let them remove it, right? I figured, what am I going to do? Get in trouble because the president told me no? Like, <laughs> Let's make this a little less fucking dramatic because I think there's enough of that going around. Exactly. So he eventually backed down. He and like the medical examiner and the other local people ultimately signed all the paperwork they needed to sign to like, you know, we, we allowed the body to be released. We agree with the findings, blah, blah, blah. It's crazy to, like, this is kind of a reminder to me that, like, everybody dies and yeah. the, pro like, procedure's the fucking exact same. Like, it doesn't yeah. matter who you are, like, you still have to do, like, the fact yeah. that you said that he had a death certificate, I was like, oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah. So. 
Yeah. Um, yep. So around 2 p.m., his body's removed from the hospital and taken to Love Field to be loaded onto Air Force One. Um, right before the plane takes off, so at about 2.38 p.m., LBJ is sworn in as acting president on the plane with Jackie there. Question. Are they all on the same plane? Body and president and... Yes. So they remove okay. a row of seats and his coffin is in that row of seats. Where'd they get a coffin? They, like... I saw a thing that was, like, they called around to, like, find a casket locally. Like, I think they called a local funeral home and were like, get us a casket. Holy <laughs> shit. Yeah, like, That's it probably crazy. wasn't a very nice one, but it was whatever they could find. Because I was also thinking, like, it's a little morbid to be like, we carry a vial of blood and also a casket, just in Yeah, case. it sounds like, like they got one locally to, like, get him out of there. Wow. I mean, I guess if Secret Service calls you and is like, we need a casket for the president, you're like, here's one. Dude, what if they fucking stole a casket from somebody? Like, what if somebody was having their funeral that day? They're oh like, excuse me, ma'am. Excuse me, ma'am. We need your husband's That's casket. That's ours. Thank you. <laughs> That's, that but would yeah. be like, you know what? It's kind of cool. You can add. I saw that it was literally like in a row of seats, not like under, you know? Oh, that's traumatizing. Which oh might God. be the whole like Jackie was refusing to leave the body. So that might have been like how they got her on the plane. I don't know. That's speculation. Yeah. Um, But so 238, he's sworn in. They take off for DC. Um, Jackie Kennedy makes a specific request that his autopsy is performed at a naval hospital in DC. I think it's technically in Bethesda, Maryland. Mm -hmm. um, and because he was a naval officer, that's considered, like, appropriate. Okay. So at 8 p.m. that night, they start doing an autopsy. Um, it lasts till about 1230 in the morning. Wow. So there's this long autopsy process. And I think it's so crazy. There's, like, autopsy pictures all over the place. Some of them are drawings that are recreations. But then there's also, like, actual pictures. Of JFK? You... Yes. What? Like, the autopsy pictures ultimately ended up, like, archived, I think. And so... I was gonna ask you, are they gruesome? But that seems kind of stupid to ask. So, not even as much as you would think, um, which actually, I think, comes up in some conspiracy theory stuff later. Mm. Um, But I'm he's cleaned up, right? So you can see, in what I saw, even, like, the drawings that were recreations, you can see the wounds, but there's not, like, blood spatter around them or anything like that. They're right. cleaned up. But so in terms of this autopsy, the original hospital kind of reported things slightly different than this ultimate autopsy that comes out. Mm -hmm. um, and a lot, there's a lot of conspiracy theories around this autopsy that I was like not super getting into. But basically, one of the things they did when he got to the hospital is performed a tracheotomy, right? So in his neck so that he could breathe. But remember, a bullet had exited his neck, and they right. actually used that wound to start the tracheotomy. Right? They're like, there's oh. already a hole here. That wasn't the fatal shot. So they used that. And so some of the original people who looked at it didn't realize that was a wound and wasn't the tracheotomy. Oh. Right? Shit. They, or was. Or they they thought that's all it was. Right. And so some of the people at Parkland, the original hospital, Initially reported he'd been hit twice from the front as opposed to the back. Okay. Right? There's a couple like contradictory things that were just, I think, miscommunications in the heat of the moment. People not realizing mm -hmm. what exactly had happened. Right. Um, but, you know, there, there's the few official findings. Um, one being the tracheotomy obscured the neck exit wound 
And that also meant that it couldn't really be properly investigated Mm -hmm. because they couldn't really tell what was the original wound and what was expanding it to help him breathe at the time. Right. And so they never really finished probing either the neck wound or the entry wound in the back. Okay. It kind of got dismissed a little bit at first. Um, and again, the the back wound isn't what killed him. It probably would have like permanently disabled him because yeah. it hit his vertebrae. Right. But he was conscious after that. It exited the body. It like it messed up his neck and his nerves, but not his brain. Right. Um but most of the autopsy stuff's boring. Like, it was this many millimeters and it went this many, whatever. The ultimate conclusion is the bullets passed entirely through his body, right? So mm-hmm. one through his neck that grazed the top of his lung, um, but not enough to fully puncture it. Holy shit. And then went through the lower throat and exited. Mm-hmm. And then there's a large and irregularly shaped wound on the side of his head, which is the main issue. So they find skull bone fragments throughout the head. They find metal in those fragments that's probably from the bullet. Okay. Um, And there's, like, obviously severe damage to the brain. Um, So, like I said, more comes up about the autopsy and conspiracy theories. A lot of people say there's, like, a lot of inconsistencies in these autopsies, which some of them were admitted to pretty early on, where Mm -hmm. the doctors are just like, yeah, we missed this. Now we know it's this or whatever. Um, Some people say that there were steps skipped. So like in a normal autopsy, you would take out all the organs and weigh them. And apparently that wasn't done. Yeah. And I don't know. I'm like, y'all know how he died. Is weighing his liver going to help? I don't know. Right, right. Like, I guess you have no clue how someone died doing that. And I guess if you have to do, like, I guess it's procedural, right? Yeah. To be, like, an official autopsy, you have to do all of it. Yeah, like, I'm sure they have to. But it just seems so silly to me. Like, okay, he obviously was shot and died. I feel like you just have to focus on that part. What's weird to me, too, and this will probably come up next week when we talk about more of, like, the conspiracy part of it. But, like, I feel like you don't move a fucking body from... Like, obviously, it's different because he was still alive. So it's like, rush him to the hospital. But, yeah. like, it's still a murder investigation. Like, right. you don't, like, wouldn't it have been better to, like, I don't know, not jostle his fucking body? Fly it to, across like, the country? It, fly it across the country. Yeah. Like, yeah. I just feel like there definitely could have been, and again, this will probably come up, like, more of an effort to, like, preserve the fucking crime scene. Because the only legitimate crime scene they had was mm-hmm. his body. And the fucking car. And where they think the shooting came from. Yeah. You would think. But what do I know? I just listened to true crime podcasts. Yeah. (laughs) I also read there was allegations. And they're from people who, like, worked in the offices at the time, but not doing the autopsy, right? Who said things like the original version of the autopsy got really bloodstained and was redone by hand. Meaning Mm. it could have been altered. Um... One woman said that, you know, she took some of the pictures and the pictures that are archived aren't the same pictures and yeah. that they actually looked like too peaceful, right? That like they're yeah. a little bit too clean. Um, Like the pictures of the autopsy? Yeah, like the pictures I just, of him. I just found a couple and he mm-hmm. does look like he's asleep. I think I just found the grossest one though. Good. 
It's pretty fucking gnarly. Yeah, they're, I mean, like, proceed with caution on those. Because even mean, like, the you ones literally that are... said his wife was like, I'm holding his brain in my hands. Like, yeah. that's, like, enough of a th- fucking indicator to me. Like, oh my god. Right, I'm good on that. Even the ones that are drawings are, like, very lifelike drawings. Mm-hmm. So, cool. Yeah, he just looks, I mean, he looks like he's asleep. But, like, yeah. I know, obviously, he's dead. But, I mean, like, he doesn't look, you're right, he doesn't look covered in blood. Like, I would imagine you would be when you've been fucking shot in the neck. Like, yeah they're yeah. also in black and white which i feel like helps uh, yeah it almost obscures it right because like mm-hmm. where you can see a big wound it just looks like a black spot mm-hmm. yeah because Whereas you can't you see that see it would be color. like red and white and whatever <laughs> right brain matter and shit yeah that's yeah right. exactly but so they perform an autopsy it becomes very important and i guess at first like I said, I was like, well, you know he got shot. Like, I don't understand how there's... Right. <laughs> like, we all know how he died. Cause but, of death, shot. It's like, what? Yeah, but it becomes very important when they talk about the angle he was shot at, right? Where was he shot mm-hmm. from? Was mm-hmm. it one person or two people? How close together were the wounds? Blah, 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 blah. Mm-hmm. Um, all of that starts to matter when you see things like it was 0.59 inches by 0.24 inches. Like, that yeah. matters when they're trying to investigate or trying to prove or disprove a theory and, and so they do have all that too because like I'm, i don't know shit about guns like i said like this rifle from the distance that it was shot at could it really have caused that type of injury right how quick like i feel like that's going to come into play when we do that research next week but yeah, yeah. that's a that's a good point yeah, yeah so some of it like sounds kind of boring now but ultimately ended up yeah oh i'm sure it's like super fucking important we're just like yeah it's just like not something i know about enough to (laughs) to women who know little nothing about autopsy yeah clearly clearly we should be here (laughs) um we're professionals but it's enough to know he got shot twice right once basically through the back of the neck Mm -hmm. once in the head the head killed him tbd from there yeah I'm I'm really this is making me so stoked to get into. Next I know. Week. Yeah. Oh, I'm going to just go full-blown fucking conspiracy. I'm going to like put like drapes in my windows and shit. <laughs> Tin foil. <laughs> Tin foil exactly. Yeah. Um okay, so this is some sad shit. I mean, obviously, this whole thing's kind of sad. Right. As I feel like to the this, cheerful rest of this. Right, right. But <laughs> I think the funeral talk is what gets me the most. Yeah. So Kennedy's coffin was draped with the American flag and carried on a casson that was drawn by six gray horses, accompanied by one riderless black horse on Sunday, November 24th. Per Mrs. Kennedy's request, the cortege and other details of the ceremony were modeled after Abraham Lincoln's funeral, which seems really fucked. Yeah. I just feel like someone should have checked on this woman more. Because she yeah. was clearly unwell. Like, I right. just. She was not doing great. Yeah. And they were young. They were in their 30s, right? Yeah. I think mm-hmm. so. Maybe early 40s. I know but for like, a fact he was like only like 42 or something. I think she was younger, though. Yeah. Um. So the casket traveled throughout the city. Again, I, I'm sorry. I'm in a dark place. So, like, <laughs> my thought was like, this seems like a not. I don't know. <laughs> It just seems like a kind of shitty way. Like, let's parade him through the city after yeah. he was just shot in a parade. But that's what they do. Yeah. So um, it would have been weird if they didn't, I guess. So, right. Because the only I mean, what are they going to do? Shoot him again? 
Right. <laughs> the, I'm fine. I mean, it's just what you do with presidents. Like the last president yeah. that died in office was FDR, and he was paraded the same way that JFK was. So right. I mean, even now we have people like lie. What I don't remember the term for it, but we, they like lay out. Lion State. I was going to say, yeah, that yeah. actually happens to him. So he travels throughout the city from the White House to the U.S. Capitol in order to lie in state for 21 hours in the Capitol building right. rotunda. Uh, during that time, nearly 250,000 people filed past his casket to pay their respects. Um, throughout the day and into the night, hundreds of thousands of people lined up to view the guarded casket um, and the actual parade itself. And representatives from over 100 different countries were um, in attendance at the state funeral that was held on Monday, November 25th. So after the Requiem Mass held at St. Matthew's Cathedral, Kennedy was laid to rest at Arlington National Cemetery. And at the gravesite, uh, Jackie and her brothers-in-law, Edward and Robert, lit an eternal flame for JFK. Um, other than the assassination itself, this was also a day that most Americans who were alive during that time would go on to remember pretty much forever. Um, right. I'm pretty sure like everything was shut down. Everything was broadcast as much as it could be on television. Um, and some of the most famous images from that day center on the Kennedy's children, specifically the image of John Fitzgerald Kennedy Jr., whose third birthday it was oh. which is fucking devastating yeah um saluting goodbye to his father which holy shit i don't know have you ever seen that image yeah oh i like forgot that it existed until i was doing this research and yeah I was like, now that you say it because i it's like and actually i think what i think what makes me the saddest is my my grandpa died when my dad was only like two. Mm -hmm. So my dad doesn't really remember him, but my dad wore a coat really similar to oh, no. what he had. And I, I feel like I've seen a picture of my dad wearing that. And like, it's, I don't know, yeah. it brought me to that moment. So it was, yeah, <laughs> I started it and I was like, this is very sad. That is. <laughs> um, and then their daughter, Caroline was pictured kneeling next to her mother um, at like the side, like the beer, I think it's called or buyer, like mm -hmm. the where, I think it's like the whatever the fuck it is. What's Something. that thing called? I don't know. The, it's like the thing, the pew, whatever. You kneel on it. And yeah. You, yeah. So uh, Jackie Kennedy was also the center of attention throughout the day and onlookers and the media frequently noted her grace and dignity that she showed throughout the events, which again, I have so many problems with because I actually thought this too when Philip died, mm -hmm. how shitty it must fucking be. To, like, not have to, like, to not have the ability to openly mourn the person yeah, you spent, like, 70-something years of your life with. Yeah, to have like, to be, like, composed. Yeah. And not that Queen Liz is probably overly emotional, right, like, she's in probably any capacity. Fine, but... But just everyone else. I just Hon can't. Honestly, I feel like it was Charles who was struggling. He's a mess. Yeah. Yeah, well, he's a fucking mess, whether his dad's dead or not. But... Right. Sorry. <laughs> I'm I mean, very venomous. <laughs> I like it. I like it. <laughs> I I woke up and chose violence. Today. I love it. <laughs> um. So the last thing I'll kind of leave us with before we get into some spoopy stuff next week mm -hmm. is the history of what happened to all of this stuff from this crazy historic event. So um, the airplane that oh, I wrote airplace, LOL, the airplane <laughs> that served as Air Force One at the time of the assassination is on display at the National Museum of the U.S. Air Force in Dayton, Ohio. Uh, the 1961 Lincoln Continental Limousine is on display at the Henry Ford Museum in Dearborn, Michigan. 
I did not have the guts to Google whether or not they took the bloodstains out, but I'm going to guess they probably didn't. Mm, yeah, um, I'll go find out. Yes, find out. I feel like there, no, no, otherwise, what's the point? Yeah, like, oh, I'm looking at a fucking Lincoln Continental. Like, um, Jackie Kennedy's pink suit, the x-rays, President Kennedy's bloodstained clothing, and the autopsy report are all in the National Archives, but you can only access them if the Kennedy family gives you permission. So Ooh. who can see them? is controlled by the Kennedys, which the I Kennedys wrote, are its whole own thing. Spooky. Yeah. I didn't even think about doing the Kennedys as like it's, their own tragic it's shit. Too but, much. but then I remembered like all of them are dead. So I don't even know who the fuck controls this like yeah, autopsy. I think the kids like they have kids that are living. No, but I think even the kids are dead. But I think like Caroline has kids, you know? Does she? Yeah. Okay. Maria Shriver's a Kennedy. She's alive. Oh, fuck yeah. I forgot that she's a person. <laughs> I yeah, just remembered on. that at this moment. But yeah, Caroline Kennedy, first of all, is alive. Um, Caroline also, Kennedy's alive? Caroline Kennedy is alive. I mean, she was born in 57. That's not crazy. No, I just thought that she died. I thought everybody yeah. died. She's the only... So JFK she's Jr. The- is dead. Died. Yeah, okay. Yeah. But, but didn't he have like a... I thought he had like someone in his life that wasn't his sister, also named Caroline, who died. Maybe. But... Oh wow, she served as the United States ambassador to Japan. Yeah, Good like they're all. All right, so my bad. Shit. Not my bad, everybody. Not all the Kennedys are dead. <laughs> so I guess I guess her Maria Shriver, whatever the okay, fuck. Okay, so name JFK is. Jr. married a woman named Carolyn. Thank you. Who died That's in the I plane crash? The plane crash. Mm-hmm. The same one mm-hmm. he died in yes yep 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 so awkward to marry someone with the same name as your sister but yeah i just feel like that's it's hard but it's a whole other fucking episode like it's not anyone's fault it's just weird right like it's like could you change your name (laughs) yeah i know someone her sister-in-law's kate and like and she's kate and it's just very i feel like that would definitely be off-putting well not off-putting just like weird or hard to get used to yeah so um other items that are in the archive include oswald's rifle or the loaf of French bread, whichever mm-hmm. you choose to believe. Yep. Uh, revolver and diary. The equipment from the Parkland Hospital trauma room where Kennedy was taken. Bullet fragments and pieces of the windshield. So, okay, these okay. are really fucking dark things to keep. But, yeah. okay. Uh, the three-acre park within Dealey Plaza. The overpass, the buildings facing the plaza, and a portion of the adjacent rail yard switching tower were all incorporated into the Dealey Plaza Historic District by the National Park Service in 1993. So it's basically like an homage to... Yeah, and like they probably can't do anything to it. You know, they can't like build on it. Mm -hmm. Um, A good portion of the area is fully accessible to visitors, such as the park and the grassy knoll that I mentioned earlier. Mm. Coming back. Um, This is fun. There's an X in the road that marks the approximate spot where the shots struck Kennedy and Connolly. Oh, boy. And I saw a picture of it, and I was like, that's fucking dark. Do you drive yeah. on that? I feel like I'd be terrified to drive that street. Right. I just wouldn't. Um, there's approximately 325,000 people a year who visit the Texas School Book Depository and the Sixth Floor Museum, which is on the sixth floor. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and it contains a recreation of the area from which Oswald shot the president. Allegedly. Allegedly. I said that. I wrote that, and I was like, I don't fucking believe it. <laughs> um The museum also manages the John Fitzgerald Kennedy Memorial that's located one block east of the plaza. 
Some items, however, were destroyed by the U.S. government as per the direction of Attorney General Robert F. Kennedy, a.k.a. JFK's brother. Which I feel like, shouldn't he be, like, recused or something? So, his whole argument, from what I was researching, is that it's about the respect of, I guess, like, humanity, almost. Like, like he so he goes yeah. on, he says to him... I mean, I don't blame him for wanting it not displayed. I just feel like it's weird he was... He's like, to make destroy official, it all. Official yeah. decisions about it, right? Not like as next of kin, but like as attorney general. Well, so that's kind of what I was wondering. Like, did he make these decisions as next of kin? In which case, that's fucked up because he had a fucking wife. Like, right. But it was a 60s. So like, I don't know if she actually was like a legitimate next of kin. True. And also she was like a fucking lamb in a lion's den with the Kennedy family. So also, isn't Robert F. Kennedy the other one who got assassinated? Yes. Cool. And then his other brother also died, I think. But I think Robert Kennedy was shot also. Nice, nice, nice. Um, Yeah, actually, because I just started listening to My Favorite Murder, and they mm-hmm. were talking about Robert F. Kennedy's assassination yeah, in one of the first episodes. Wiki. Yeah. He was assassinated. Mm-hmm. Five years um, later. Cool. Oh, that's shitty. What happened to the other brother? Is he... I'm, um, I don't know. Don't Are they know. all dead? I mean... Just from an age perspective, I think they're probably all dead. Um, <laughs> Numerically well, speaking. Eight siblings. That's Kennedy was one of eight? Kennedy was one of eight. So there's JFK, mm-hmm. Joseph Jr., never heard mm-hmm. of him. Nope. He died in active duty in World War II. Oh. Rosemary, which is its whole own situation. I don't know anything about that. Oh my that. god, Rosemary, I think, is the daughter. It's like who Rosemary's was... baby? Um, no, no, she was born um she had like seizures as a kid and some (gasps) medical issues and when she was like in her early 20s she got a lobotomy and was basically institutionalized and like ignored for the rest of their lives oh my god i'm so Um, sorry i made it very bad no you're fine but it's like a crazy yeah she like lived her whole life in an institution basically and the family like didn't really talk about her oh Um, wow and it's like we don't really know what was wrong it sounds i think she um suffered brain damage at birth right like okay during childbirth and she didn't reach her developmental milestones and like they gave her a lobotomy when that was the thing to do wow yeah that's fucked up let's see who else kathleen eunice patricia Jean. never heard of any of them Jean. and then ted yeah ted ted was the the other like political figure what happened to him he died of being old recently oh he was a big, old. yeah, he died of being he old. He was assassinated by old age. In, like, in, let's see, 2009. But he was, like, I remember, I think he was really big in um, universal health care, I think, was, like, his big issue. Okay. Like, he was a serving member of Senate that I can remember, you know? Okay, okay. Um. So he actually, like, died of being old and not, like, killed in a plane crash or murdered or whatever. Yeah, the Kennedy curse. Yeah, exactly. He had like the probably the most normal life. I think he just was sick and ultimately um died while still serving in the Senate. Okay. Damn. Well yeah. it's a lot of fucking kids. You're, yeah. You're bound to have a couple crazy I guess <laughs> situations that's true. happen, I guess. Um but yeah, so the US government actually destroyed the casket in which Kennedy's body was transported from Dallas to DC. Um, So according to his brother, 
It's public, quote, it's public display would be extremely offensive and contrary to public policy, quote. Um, And so they actually dropped it into the sea. Like the Air Force flew it over the ocean and fucking dropped it into the sea. Which is like, I don't know. That seems really fucking. For some reason, all I'm picturing. Oh, God. You know, the beginning of the Oops, I Did It Again music video. Where he's like, well, baby, I went down and got it for you. you. Oh, you shouldn't have. Oh, my God. Yes. Yeah, that, but the casket. Oh, that's hilarious. That's romantic. I mean, I'm kind of imagining them just like, like, it probably was like lowered, like gently into the water, almost like a grave, like a yeah. burial at sea. But I'm envisioning them just like, all right, push it over. And yeah, like, just like, I'm picturing it, you know, like the, the toy machines with the claw. Oh my God. Yes. They just drop it. That's yeah, also just- what I would envision. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. That's so fucking funny. Oh, we're um, good people. We're really good people. Uh, and let's see. Connolly's clothes are held by the Texas State Archives, and the gun that Ruby used to kill Oswald eventually got into the possession of Ruby's brother Earl, and it was sold for two hundred twenty thousand dollars in nineteen ninety one. Okay. And that, my friends, is the assassination and aftermath of JFK. Nice. He did. He did. Yep. And uh, I'm not convinced Lee Harvey Oswald did it. And we haven't even started the conspiracy theories yet. We'll get to it. I'm so stoked for that. Oh, fuck yeah. I might go research that right now. Even though I really need to eat something. (laughs) Yeah, I think I got on the French bread train because Eric's making grilled cheese. And I said I want fancy grilled cheese. I was like, I don't want that like normal grilled cheese. I want fucking fancy ass. So he got some really nice bread. I would take just like a regular ass grilled cheese though. Yeah. I love grilled cheese. Uh. <laughs> R.I.P. Right. JFK. I love grilled cheese sandwiches. <laughs> How to make the perfect grilled cheese. <laughs> oh, oh, my fine. God. <laughs> All right, nerds. Thanks for listening. We'll talk to you next week for our season two finale. And uh, we'll corrupt you, your brains. Yes. All right. Bye. bye. Thank you for listening to What the History. Please remember to rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at WTHistoryPod. If you'd like to email us, you can do that at WTHistoryPodcast at gmail.com, and we'd love to hear feedback or episode ideas or anything else you have to say. You can support us on Patreon by visiting patreon.com slash WTHistoryPodcast and get exclusive access to even more nerdy stuff. Don't forget to tune in every Thursday when new episodes are released, and we will see you next time.